Welcome to Victory Fellowship's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. So I just felt impressed today to talk about the Holy Ghost. I want to talk to you about, about the anointing. The anointing actually is the manifestation of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, I, I, one thing I can say, there's a lot of things that we can say about each other, about ourselves, but I know one thing that I, I do know, I don't know why it happened, but the Lord has placed, placed an anointing on my life. He's anointed me with an unusual anointing, and it's, it affects other people. And um, I, I pray it's affecting you. It either affects you or torments you. There's no, there's no middle ground, but it's real, and it's, it's on my life. And I want to I talk to you about the anointing today. I want to talk to you about, about the importance of the anointing, valuing the anointing, increasing the anointing in your life. Because, you know, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament, wasn't, the anointing was not for everybody in the Old Testament. It was for special, special, unusual cases. And there were some real unusual cases. And one that stands out in my mind is the story of Samson. Samson was a strange dude. And he moved not because he was built, you know, all built up and, and buffed up. He, was, he would move under the power of the Holy Ghost and do supernatural feats of strength. As a matter of fact, um, you know, there's uh, lists and lists of things that happened he would accomplish when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him to defeat the enemies of God. But if you remember the story, how it went, he, he broke and violated his covenant with God. His covenant was the covenant of a Nazarite. He took a Nazarite from his mother's womb, the vow of a Nazarite for, for the Jews. That meant never cut your hair. It was like John the Baptist. Never cut your hair, never cut your beard, and never touch wine or alcoholic drinks. And this guy violated that when he began to have a relationship with one of the Philistine women. His hair got cut, and he was captured by, by a, a group of Philistines that never could have dealt with him before. And that was, that was his downfall. He lost the anointing. We can't, we, one thing we shall not lose and have an effect in this world is the, is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We can still look the same, sing all the right songs, even preach the right sermons, have the right programs and the organizational structure. We can be, have it down to a, a science. And, but without his anointing, without the tangible anointing of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to transform people's lives. You're not going to experience the touch of God and the transformation of God. It comes by the impartation of the supernatural, the power of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, you think about that, and I think of another one that stands in my mind, of, of an anointed one in the Old Testament, of course, was, was David. David, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him when he was a teenager, and he began to function supernaturally. His, his defeat of Goliath was nothing, nothing less than a supernatural manifestation of the power of God. His, his feats as a soldier were supernatural. He talked about, in some of his songs, running through a troop and leaping over a wall and defeating 100 Philistines single-handedly. And he was, he was able to do this because of an anointing that would come upon him. But there, this, uh, this, this anointing manifested itself in David in, in, a, in a powerful way in songwriting and in worship. 
He brought Israel into a new era of worship. He began to value worship, and he established the Tabernacle of David and literally 24-hour worship, seven days a week, 365 days a year, where the Levites were ministering before the Lord, at the ark, before the Ark of the Covenant with the glory of the manifest presence. And he'd write songs like, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the glory of the Lord. That's all by the anointing. Now, the, the good news is that that season changed in the New Testament. In the New Testament, on the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up and began to prophesy and preach from the prophet Joel. Thus saith the Lord, in the last days, says our God, I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. I will pour out my spirit in the last days on whosoever will. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Whoever's heart is thirsty can come and drink from the wells of water in these last days. It's not just for the Davids and the Ezekiels and for the Samsons and the Elijahs, but it's for whosoever will. The lowliest of sons and daughters of God can have a supernatural mantle upon their life. And that was the, that was the bold uh, announcement that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. And he followed it up as people began to come to Christ. And 3,000 people in one, in one shot were overwhelmed with the glory of his presence. Supernatural baptism with the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, an anointing that launched that church into all the earth and affected that generation. It actually brought the Roman Empire down through the power of Almighty God. Supernatural God. What an awesome God. So anyway, so if that was, that was then, so we start, think, start thinking, about, I want to start thinking about the anointing and its effect on our life. We think of, um, of course, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus was the first, the first stone in this new church, this anointed church. He became one of us. He became a man, and he ministered this, in this life as a man, as a prophet under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I think of, I think of Peter's famous sermon at Cornelius' house when he was preaching for the first time to, to Romans, a gathering of over 100 Romans in this house, and he began to preach to them the word of the Lord, and he, in the middle of his sermon, he began to say, we know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus born of a carpenter, born of a carpenter's wife in Nazareth, in Galilee. When he was 30 years old, he went out with the rest of his, with the rest of the community from Nazareth and the towns from the surrounding area to go out because a prophet had, had appeared in the wilderness. There'd been 400 years since a prophet, since the time of Malachi. There'd been no prophets in Israel, but a, a prophet appeared in the fullness of time, preparing the way for the coming of the Messiah. And Jesus Jesus went out to, to listen to John preach, and he submitted himself to, to John's water baptism. He was baptized in the Jordan River, and it's, it talks about it here in Luke 3, 21, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, the voice of the Father, you are my beloved son. One translation says, you are the son of my love. 
This was the father loving his son. He was, it was almost a, a, a moment where God was overwhelmed. He, was, he, he himself, the father himself, was overwhelmed at his son's obedience, following the, the plan that they had laid down in eternity, that he would become a man and walk in these steps and fulfill all righteousness. And this was the beginning of the ministry of Jesus Christ when he sub- submitted himself to the prophet John. And the father began to pour out his love. The love of God. This is my son. This is my beloved. This is the son of my love. And the glory of God began to fall down on Jesus. He was baptized that day in more than water in that Jordan River because the fire of God fell upon him that day. Now we know Jesus today. If you if you if we you know read in your Bible or read in any writings, he's called Jesus Christ. If you haven't figured it out yet, Jesus Christ, Christ is not his last name. Christ is a Greek word from Christos. It means the anointed one. It, in Hebrew, it's, it's the Messiah, the anointed one. Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus, the anointed one. Jesus, the Christ. Jesus, the anointed one. That's what they called him. There was a lot of things people said about Jesus, but one thing they couldn't die, deny. Something unusual was on him. There was something on him. Everywhere he went, signs and wonders began to break out. Something was on him. He was the anointed one from Nazareth. Jesus the Messiah. Jesus the Christ. Jesus carrying the Father's mantle. And he goes on to say in Luke, if you go down to verse Luke 4.14. After this event, Jesus returned back to Galilee, actually to his hometown, in the power of the Spirit. He returned in the power of the Spirit, and a report about him went out throughout all the surrounding country. This same anointing, you know, this is the same anointing that fell on the day of Pentecost. Jesus prophesied to his disciples that that, that he told them in Acts 1, not many days after this, the Holy Spirit's going to come. You're going to be filled with power from on high. You're going to receive the same experience that I received in the Jordan River. You're going to experience the immersion of God. The things that I've done, you're going to do also. And greater things than these shall you do because I go to my Father. So Jesus prepared them to receive the anointing on the day of Pentecost. The anointing came like a rushing mighty wind, like tongues of fire upon their head, and they were transformed into different kinds of people. This anointing is for us today. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is for us today. It's for us to walk in. It's not just a strange experience that happens every now and then. It's It's an immersion into a new way of living our lives, a new way to live now. A life in the presence of God, a life in his anointing, a life in joy unspeakable, experiencing God as my portion, as my life. He's involved in my day-to-day life, in my family life, in my work life, in everything I do. You know, when you begin to step into this anointing, it's not going to change the things you do except for the sinful things. It's going to change you as you do the things you used to do and bring a new happiness, a new power, a new anointing, a new supernatural edge to everything about your life. The anointing. So this anointing, Jesus prophesied about it in John. Prophesied about two kinds of anointing that are available for us. In John 4, 14, the famous passage where he was talking to the woman at the, at the, at the well, the woman of Samaria who had tried to find her happiness and satisfaction with a happy marriage. She thought if she found the right guy, it would be good, and she'd have a a happy life. Well, she tried five different ones, and none of them worked out. Five husbands, 
five whatever, either deaths or divorces, depending on whatever the circumstances were. But it, five times he was, he was gone. The sixth one, she didn't bother to, to even pass the ring. She was living with the, the sixth guy now, and she was just, I guess what they call shacking up. They were, they were living together, weren't married. And so, but Jesus began to minister to her. He began to minister to her. He told her, you know, you've been looking for happiness in everything but the right place. He says, if you knew who I was, and if you asked me, I would give you living water. And this living water would become a well inside of you. He said, whoever drinks of the water that I'll give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This is the first function of this incredible anointing. He comes and resides within us, makes us into different kinds of people, comes and satisfies that nagging, longing itch inside of us. There's an itch inside of every human seeking to be satisfied, seeking to find purpose and happiness in their life. And they go to all the wells of this world and drink from all the polluted wells of this world and never find satisfaction and that itch is never scratched and they're never made complete until they come to this anointing, this beautiful person that flows from the Father above and he comes and fills our heart and he resides inside of us, comes to live inside of us and we carry inside of every born again Christian is this reservoir, this fountain of living water that we can learn to drink from every day. It sustains and satisfies us, the anointing within Jesus went on in in John chapter 7 to talk about the anointing upon us. On the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, he began to prophesy about the coming. He was getting toward the end of his life. He was going to die. He was going to go to the cross. He was going to ascend into heaven. You know, when Christ ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father, the Bible talks about how the glory of God began to flow out like a river from the throne of God, began to proceed from heaven. When Jesus took his place as the glorified, resurrected Son of Man and Son of God, seated at the right hand of the Father, clothed with majesty, this glorious river that flowed upon him on the Jordan River began to flow into the upper room on the day of Pentecost. In John 7, Jesus was prophesying about this. He said, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried. He began to cry out. And this phrase, cried out, is very descriptive. descriptive. It's, it's, the, it's the word used for a screeching, hollering animal. Like an animal that's, that's screeching the top of its lungs. Jesus began, it wasn't just a pious religious announcement. He began to scream like a scream of a desperate man. If anyone is thirsty in this place, if anyone is thirsty, if anyone is thirsty, he cried the cry of desperation. Let him come to me and let him drink. Let him come and keep coming. Let him come to me and come to me and come to me and come to me. And let him drink and drink and drink and drink. And then he says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly, out of his heart, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living waters. This is the anointing of the Holy Spirit that comes upon us. It comes upon us. And it comes upon us over and over and over and over again. Now, how, how can I receive this anointing? How do I receive it? You know, it's, um, it's for some people, they say, well, I, you know, I've talked to so many people that say, well, I, I'm open to that, but open is not enough. It's word, one word comes to my mind, it's called desperate or hungry or thirsty. And then desperate, hungry, or thirsty spills over into a hungry, 
And it spills over to a, a place of humility and a place of receiving. It's where you become a wide open to God. You just begin to open up and say, God, I need you. I need you, Lord God. Regardless of what happens, regardless of what happens or what doesn't happen in my life, Lord God, whatever, I, I, whatever happens, I need you. I need you first and foremost. Would you come to me, Lord? I put myself in neutral gear. Come into my life. Come and fill me. Come and satisfy me. Come and flood me. Oh, God. Oh, God, I need your presence. I need your power. I need your love. I need your life. I need you, God. Oh, your loving kindness is better than life, Lord God. My soul longs for you as in a dry and thirsty land. Lord, oh, early in the morning, God, I, I rise up and I need you. I need you in my, in my daytime. I need you at nighttime. I need you in my home. I need you at my job. I need you in my body and my health. I need you in every part of my life. I need you in my innermost being, God. And as you begin to go, he begins to flow like a river, flow like a river, and then he begins to flow out like a river, flow out like a river in worship and in ministry. The love of God flows in and flows out, touching, touching hungry hearts. Amen. Just, you know, so this, that's what I was just talking about. That's anointing. We minister, we minister by the anointing. We minister by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. How do I increase this gift? How do I increase the, the anointing in my life? You know, I've, I was going back, you know, I, I have these, these milestones in my life, touchstones. And, and of course, the, one, the, main, the first one was 1973 when Christ came into my life. And then 1977 when I was sent out and um, ordained to return to my hometown and preach. 1979 when we started our church. Then again, 1994. But from 1979 to 1994, there was an anointing on my life. There was an anointing, and God did some incredible things. Thousands of people got saved. Churches got started. It was powerful. But something else happened in 1994. And the only way I can describe it is there, there was an increase. There was a new download of the same thing. If it was at, at, at 25%, it went up to 75%. There was a major huge download that came into my life when I got under the influence, really, of Rodney, Rodney Howard Brown and the mantle that was on his life that was affecting our world at the time. But this mantle came upon my life and began to increase in my life. It began to multiply. It began to create a new hunger in my life, a new passion for God, a new hunger for the words, a new hunger for souls, a new desire to fulfill my calling in the ministry, a new desire to touch New Orleans with the gospel of Jesus Christ, a new desire to, to, to reach out into, into, into all the nations of the world. You know, for two years after that initial touch, I was spending one week every month overseas doing an international revival meeting. I did that for two years, just lit up with the fire of God. There's more for all of us. There's more for me. There's more for you. We can't be satisfied with yesterday's manna. We can't be satisfied with yesterday's baptism. There, there's something fresh for us every day. There's seasons of outpouring. How can I increase? By getting hungry, by saturating, by coming. Like Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and come to me and come to me and drink and drink and drink. And, and it begins a, a change of lifestyle. You begin to change some of the things that you used to to do, and you begin to spend more time in the presence of the Lord. And I want to, um, for those in the back, I'm skipping around a little bit. I'm going to go to music. Everyone say music. Music and the anointing. Music and the anointing. Paul said in Ephesians 5.18, he said, do not get drunk with wine, for that's a waste of time. Debauchery, one translation, is that you're wasting your time. 
Do not get drunk with wine. You're wasting your time. But be filled with the Spirit. He's drawing a comparison, comparison between natural intoxication and spiritual intoxication. Be filled with the Spirit. And then he starts to tell you how. Addressing one another. So he's talking. Now this sounds goofy to the natural man. I want you to talk to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Psalms, psalms of David, hymns, songs that have been written for the church, spiritual songs, Holy Ghost, spontaneous songs that flow out of our belly. I want you to take these psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and I want you to begin to sing and make melody to the Lord with your heart and speak to one another with these songs. Oh yeah, some music. Music is a huge part. It's a huge part of, of, of staying filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, it's, it's, I could tell real quick, I could go to your, to your phone or to your music library and tell real quick what you value. And, you know, and, and what, I, what I've come to understand is that I can affect my atmosphere. I can affect my atmosphere all day long with music. From my head to my toes, fill me up. Holy Ghost, from my head to my toes, fill me up. Holy Ghost, from my head to my toes, fill me up. Holy Ghost, from my head to my toes, fill me up. Holy Ghost. And this becomes something that's going on the inside of you. You wake up, you, you're waking out of sleep by sound, and this something starts coming out of your belly. From my head to my toes, it gets stuck in there. It gets stuck on replay over and over and over and over again. Fill me up. My spirit's being affected. My inner man's being affected by the Holy Ghost song. And I'm getting to, is, I, is this, this is how you maintain and increase the anointing of the Holy Ghost in your life. Singing in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It has to be valuable to us. Amen. Amen. I want to read another scripture about about the the gifts of the Spirit and the anointing. I love this. Acts 19.6. This is when Paul was starting the church in Ephesus. And he gathered together in Ephesus. He gathered 12 Baptists together and had a prayer meeting. Now you read this story. You'll find out that I'm exactly right. You read the story, and what else could you call them? But they were 12 Baptists. They believed in Jesus. They believed in immersion by John's baptism in water, but they didn't believe in the Holy Ghost. Now, in theory, they may have, but not in reality. So he, when Paul slayed his hands on them, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit came on them. When Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. When the anointing, he's talking about the anointing, the anointing that was on Paul. That anointing got on Paul when he's on the Damascus Road, when he was knocked off his horse by the anointing. He was saturated by the anointing. He'd been living in it for years at this point. And when he laid his hands on him, what was on him jumped on them. And they began to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak in other tongues. Jesus, be magnified in my life and in my tongue, O God. Thank you, Lord. So they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They began to speak in other tongues. And this speaking in other tongues led them into, into the gifts of the Spirit. You see, the, the basic speaking in other tongues is not one, of, not one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues for interpretation is one of the gifts of the Spirit. 
But your devotional language is not a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's your prayer language. It's all throughout the Bible. You see it all throughout the Bible. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. You see people, large groups of people being filled with the Holy Spirit and all of them beginning to speak in the Holy Ghost corporately magnifying God, it says in Acts 11, magnifying God with their heavenly language. So it's a form of worship. These guys were touched. They were saturated with the Holy Spirit. And then they moved over into what Luke, as he wrote the book of Acts, said they, were, they began to prophesy. They began to prophesy one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And these brand new Baptists that became Pentecostals in a moment of time, they were touched with a the fire. They began to speak with other tongues publicly, and they began to prophesy. It's supernatural. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not spooky and weird. If you start praying in the Spirit and getting under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you'll find things, you'll be, you know, you'll be sitting at your desk at work and you've been, you had your, your Bible time where you're reading your Bible and you're being ministered to, you had your music on on the way to work and you're, you had a, you maybe you've got, you know, if you've got the liberty and the blood, you've got a little low music playing there by your desk and you're, and you find out the guy next, next to you is going through crisis, a hellacious crisis. You can see it, it's written all over his face. And you just go over to him, put your hand on his shoulder, it's simple, and say, can I pray for you? Would, you? would it be okay for me to pray for you? And as you begin to pray, the Lord starts speaking. Just a supernatural, you don't have to even contrive it or anything. You've been in the anointing, you've been drinking, the Holy Ghost starts to speak just spontaneously. And you begin to pray over him, Lord, I just pray right now, you'd help my brother touch his wife, touch his kids. Lord, I pray you'd reach out to us. You don't know what's going on with his children, but the Lord's leading you in your prayer. Lord, touch his children. Bring them back to, into, into, into to, to sanity. Bring them back, Lord. Begin to touch their lives. Supernat- There's a supernatural touch on Christianity. I don't want just the form. I want the reality, the power of Almighty God. So they were, this, this, is, this is awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to, getting ahead of myself, so I'm just going to stop here. I want to read one, talk about one last scripture, and then we're going to pray. But Paul said in Romans 8, talking about the, 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 the anointing in prayer, you know, there's some, all kinds of times we don't know how to pray. We just don't. We've got, I don't know about you, but I have, I have problems from time to time that are way bigger than me that I can never figure out the answer for. I have several right now. And, and I don't know how to pray. If I prayed, I might be praying wrong. I might be t- telling God to do something that's not the right solution to that situation because I just don't know. Sitting there trying to, like, I'm God, telling him what to do. Prayer is yielding. It's not, di- it's not directing God. It's not getting up in God's face and telling him what to do. It's yielding. If you get into a submissive role, he'll begin to anoint you in humility and he'll begin to pray through you his, his supernatural prayers that are the solutions and answers to that situation. He'll be praying in English and praying in the heavenly language, but supernatural. Paul said it like this, likewise, the spirit helps us. Or we can say the anointing helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings. When was the last time you groaned? You need to do some groaning. I mean, some whole, good Holy Ghost groaning. It's good for the soul. I'm telling you, groaning under the alcumbras, under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, is good for your soul. will heal your brokenness. It'll bring humility and depth of character into your life. It'll bring a new sense of holiness and peace into your life. Joy unspeakable and full of joy. Thanks for listening. Check out our website at www.victoryfellowship.net for service times and for more information.